All right, we're going to get started on time and make sure we have enough time to uh, work through some uh, content here and also give you a little bit of an exercise to do at, at the end here. So let me uh, pray and then we'll, we'll get started. Father, thank you for uh, this afternoon, this day, Lord. It is your day and uh, as we anticipate worship and singing and praying and fellowshipping and hearing your word later. Father, we thank you. We thank you for uh, this little extra preparation time and feeding time for us. I pray you'll help us and teach us, encourage us, challenge us, stretch us, whatever we need, Father, as we think about being disciple makers, those who bear witness for Christ in this world. Uh, would you please do what you want to do in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, this is part one of two lessons on disciple-making. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about disciple-making, choosing your style, uh, how, to, how to approach evangelism and witness in a way that actually fits your own personality and giftings. And then next week, Rick is going to uh, speak of disciple-making in terms of using Bible study, uh, the uh, Discovery Bible study, doing a little bit of training and equipping uh, with that as a disciple-making tool. Uh, so that will be uh, part two uh, next week. Um, all kinds of texts that I could turn to to begin with, but I think the one I'll, I'll choose is... Um, Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, um, Acts 8 and verse 1, where we read that Saul approved of his, that's referencing uh, Stephen, uh, uh, Stephen's execution. You remember in chapter 7, uh, Stephen was the first Christian martyr, um, and Saul, who later became Paul, uh, approved of that execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, and so forth. And then down in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. A uh, couple things to, to note here. Uh, you'll remember in chapter 1 in verse 8, uh, Jesus had said to the disciples, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. But what do we find here in chapter 8, uh, at the beginning of chapter 8? What, what seems to be the case? Jesus had told them to take the, the witness of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and beyond. But here in chapter 8, where do we find the Christians still? Jerusalem. They're still in Jerusalem. In other words, they really had not begun the work of the Great Commission. They had not, uh, for whatever reasons, and between chapter 1 and chapter 8, if you piece it together, there's reason to think that there's at least a couple of years here. Uh, it could have been a handful of years. It could have been four or five years have elapsed since chapter 1. And they still are not engaged in the mission of the gospel. So the early Christians were were kind of stuck in place. They were um, 
they were comfortable. They were, um, we have enough chairs here. There's a couple here, but we don't want to separate husband and wife here. We already have one couple separated. Two couples, actually. So. Yeah, Rick made, made sure that that <laughs> duly noted. We also. No, no, we're fine. So, uh, in chapter 8 of Acts, we find the Christians still in Jerusalem, uh, having failed to this point, it appears, having failed to take Jesus' great commission seriously. And what does it take to scatter them? Persecution. Persecution. So, it's as if God said, okay. You're not going to move on your own. You're not going to do this voluntarily. Let me move you involuntarily. Let me force you to scatter. And God allowed there to be a persecution to arise. And as a result of that, the people scattered. And they everywhere they went, it says in verse 4, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Finally, evangelism is happening. Gospel advance is happening, the mission is beginning to take place. The reality is that we are called to mission. We are called to evangelize. We are called to be disciples who are making disciples. It's, it's, it's this process of multiplication is, is at the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. This is this is, this is the call. This is, you know, 1 Peter 3, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Time and time again, we are uh, commanded in Scripture to bear witness of Christ. So the question is, how well are we doing at this, and how can we do it better? Um, borrowing from Jim Donahue, the material that you have in your hands is a chapter from his evangelism course called Proclaim. Uh, I heard this material probably 15 years ago, and when I heard it, I said, man, this is gold. This, this is really, really helpful to, to strengthen us and equip us to get beyond our fears when it comes to evangelism. Because typically, when we think of evangelism, we think of a certain style and a certain approach. Uh, at, you know, knocking on doors, walking walking, pounding the pavement, you know, you know handing out tracts, uh, which, which are all good forms of evangelism, but we tend to think of them almost as the only way to do evangelism, and man, oh man, I can't do that, so I'm not doing evangelism. So uh, what, I, what I want us to see, and Jim Donahue in this material does a tremendous job of, of opening this up for us, uh, is that there are different styles revealed in Scripture, and we need to find the one that matches us and then go with it. And uh, so let's let's uh, take a look at this. Um, and I wish, because I was thinking about, and, and I look around the room here, and I'm and I'm seeing, uh, how do I put this? In a sense, I think I'm preaching to the choir here. This, you know, the uh, there's a tremendous amount of evangelism zeal represented in this room right here um, and because of that I'm sure if I opened it up we could tell stories for the next literally six hours of opportunities we have had to share Christ perhaps in the last week 
or two, and it would be exciting. But we don't have time for that, uh, so we're going to uh, push along here. I, will, I, will, I do want to tell you this story. Um, we're going to be talking about styles of evangelism, um, and in my own particular case, um, the, I think my most effective way of doing evangelism is building relationally with people, uh, getting together for coffee, having people in our home, building, 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 so that there's a context for sharing the gospel. And uh, as I think a, a, a few of you would know, I've been relating to one of my neighbors, his name is Al, uh, for uh, ever since we moved into our home just right around the corner uh, from here. And um, uh, we've been uh, getting together for coffee, just kind of chatting, doing different things, having them into our home for dinner, uh, these kinds of things. And then just this past week, I, I uh, contacted Al and said, hey, let's do coffee and sat down and, and uh, he just kind of blurts out, do you believe in visions? <laughs> and I said, yes. Uh, and um, he said, I had one. I know it was a vision, it wasn't a dream. And, and he proceeded to tell me about uh, this vision that he had in which he saw this, this bright cloud and from the cloud was extending a hand with the palm upward uh, and in the vision, he reached up and touched the hand. And as they made contact, the hands made contact, there was this blazing brilliance and purity, just, just whiter than anything he'd ever seen or imagined before. And in that moment, he fell on his hands and knees and felt himself to be so filthy with sin. And then he woke up. <laughs> and that was the vision. And I have heard different people give accounts of different visions. And I'm here to tell you, that was perhaps the most convincing one I've ever heard. Because that set him up for the gospel. You know, it, people need to know that God is blazingly holy. And we are filthy. We are sinners who need a Savior. And in the next moments, I was just able to share with him again, I had before, to share with him again the gospel. And all of that filth, all of that sin gets washed away by Christ. Christ died for that so that you could be clean and loved and accepted by that blazingly white Father who is in heaven. And I believe he came to faith on Tuesday afternoon. Um, and here, it's, you, know, you put the pieces of that together. There's prayer, there's relationship, there's a cup of coffee, there are multiple conversations that get nowhere as far as the gospel's concerned. But then there's a vision. And then there's you know, God intervening and doing what only God can do. And then there's another cup of coffee and the gospel and saving faith and a transformed life. Uh, and now, starting this coming Tuesday, uh, he and I are going to get together weekly just to disciple him in his new faith. Um, we could all tell stories. I know we could. I know we could. Um, and, and each story would reveal different details, different components to it. Um, 
So let's think about it. What, what are the different styles? Let me, let me uh, start at, at the bottom of the first page there. Um, it says, which statement seems true? I'm not gifted in prayer. I'll just leave it to those who are really spiritual. I'm not gifted in reading the Bible. I'll just leave it to the intellectuals. I'm not gifted in giving. I'll just leave it to the generous people who have lots of money. I'm not gifted in evangelism. I'll just leave it to those who are more outgoing. Which seems most likely to be true? Evangelism is the answer that I think most Christians would give. The, the assumption is by many believers that evangelism is for the outgoing type. Evangelism is not... Evangelism is a gift not a spiritual discipline. Prayer, that's a discipline. You know, giving is a discipline. You know, reading the Bible, it's a spiritual discipline. Evangelism, oh, that's for the gifted people. And in Scripture, that's not the case. Evangelism is for everybody. Um, uh, now, there are some who are uncommonly gifted in evangelism, uh, and there are some who are gifts themselves to the church, as evangelists, uh, Ephesians 4, Christ gives some to be pastors, teachers, uh, prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. There are, there are some who uh, are uniquely gifted to such a degree that they're able to equip others in evangelism. That's what Ephesians 4 is about. But the reality is every Christian is called to pray. Every Christian is called to read their Bible. Every Christian is called to exercise spiritual disciplines. Every Christian's called to evangelize. Now, we don't all have to do it the same way. And as our notes say on, on the next page, uh, we, can, we can be ourselves. And I'm going to give you an exercise in just a few minutes that you'll find on uh, the next few pages, the Outreach Style Questionnaire. Uh, uh, after we've covered a couple of, uh, a little bit of material, we're going to go back to that. And I'm uh, going to give you a few minutes to, to fill that out, to just try to discern what your own particular style might be based on the gifts that you have, based on the personality that you have. But skip ahead to uh, page 26. We're going to look at very, you know, very simply, I want to look at several different styles or approaches to evangelism that you find in scripture. Um, the first one, have you found it? Yes. The numbers are hard to read. Number 26, the numbers are on the bottom left hand side of the page there. I uh, had a hard time finding it. The first one is a direct style. Example of that in scripture is Peter in Acts 2. It's pretty direct. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. That's, that's pretty direct. That's pretty blunt. That's pretty straightforward. You're guilty. Jesus is the Savior. You need to repent. You need to believe. Uh, there are some who are incredibly gifted in this kind of evangelism. They just are bold, they're fearless, uh, they just, whoever they meet, 
uh, and I'm looking around and I'm seeing at least two or three right here in this room who are characterized by this. Uh, uh, Bill is this way. Uh, Kevin Mitchell, who will just drive around with a bullhorn and, and just preach the gospel through the community and Greg and others who have this fearless, direct approach. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've heard just in the last couple of weeks about um, Keith Mungin and Danny Dorman, uh, who during lunchtime, they both work in the city just, I don't know, across the road from each other, and during lunchtime they go out on the sidewalk and they're just sharing Christ with people. It's, it's this, this direct uh, approach. Now, now, this is good. This is, this is, you know, for people who are confident, people who are able to engage in a kind of spontaneous way, people who, who know how to speak in a very straightforward way, uh, this is a very effective means of evangelism for some. Uh, there need to be some cautions about it. You know, you can almost, you can be too abrasive. You can plow people over. Uh, and not really give them any kind of context. I mean, if all you do is just walk up to people and say, repent, you need to believe in Jesus, and there's, there's no connection, there's no breaking the ice, there, you know, that, that can come off. Um, you know, uh, Je Jesus was full of grace and truth. We need to be full of grace and truth. You know, not just truth, but grace as well. Um, but there's that direct style. You may, you may hear about it and say, yeah, that's me. And there's the intellectual style, the next page. Uh, this is, Paul is an example in Acts 17. Paul went in as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Um, in this case, Paul's style uh, was very, it was very intellectual and uh, it included uh, reason and proofs and evidence. Um, and, um, you know, you're familiar maybe with Rabbi Zacharias. That's very much his style is this reasoning approach. Um, Josh, uh, Joshua, uh, Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, or uh, the short, more than a carpenter, this very brief but excellent little uh, well-reasoned presentation, Case for Christ, or maybe even the book by that name, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, which are these uh, just presenting the arguments for the faith. Again, thinking about people in our church, um, Alex would be very effective at this. Rob Atkins uh, knows world views and how people think inside and out and can just uh, can meet people wherever they're at and, and uh, answer in a, in a rational way. Arnaldo Cavazos would be another guy, and I'm sure there are others, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I wanted to call attention to within our own congregation, we have these multiple styles, uh, and it's, it's exciting. But there are cautions, Jim says in the material. Be careful not to rely on your own wisdom in evangelism. You should primarily seek to proclaim the simple gospel message 
rather than entertain irrelevant debates. That's the danger of the intellectual style, is that you can, you can kind of get caught up in all the debates. You can get caught up on debates about things that are not centrally important. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you can forget that you need love in the mix. Uh, at the end of the day, that's, our, that's the, the strongest defense we have for our faith is, is our love for others and for one another. Then there's a testimonial style. The blind man who was healed in John 9. This, this really is, this is an interesting example. Um, remember the, the religious leaders had come to him and said, you know, where's this Jesus after Jesus had healed him? And, and um, you know, we know he's a sinner, they said to him. And, and the man said, the man who had been blind answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Yeah, uh, you know, it was like, well, I'm not prepared to, you know, enter into all this debate and discussion and argument. But I do know this: <laughs> I was blind yesterday, and I'm seeing today. You know, it's testimony what God had done in His life. Powerful witness. Remember the the man uh, who was demon possessed, uh, and and it was very interesting. Um, he's delivered of a legion of, of demons, and, and he's in his right mind, the text says. And he goes to Jesus, and he says, I want to follow you. I want to go with you. And what does Jesus tell him? Go home. Go home. And tell your family, tell, tell your friends, all that God has done for you. That's testimonial evangelism. You know, and at the end of the day, uh, our evangelism, by definition, what's a witness? We are to witness for Christ. A witness is somebody who bears testimony of something that he or she has seen or heard. And so, really, at one level, all our evangelism needs to include some testimony to it. Uh, some expression of what God, we have heard and seen in Christ. Not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. We have seen the truth. We have seen the beauty of God. We have, we have tasted the goodness of forgiveness. We have, we have found new meaning and, and significance in our lives. We, we have the assurance of our forgiveness. These are all things that we've experienced in Christ. And bearing witness is just telling other people what we've experienced. Uh, it's, there's, there's a testimonial dimension to... Uh, to our evangelism. I'm guessing, Bill, just a quick question. Um, in prison ministry, mm -hmm. uh, would there would you find that the, that testimony has a way uh, of getting through to people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You share what your life was like. Yeah. Before Christ. Yeah. Even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bill is ready. He's, he's just all primed and ready to go there. So, uh, uh, examples of this in our own church, Maggie and Fitz, who are 
they're, they're as effective in this as any I've ever seen, any I've ever met. Uh, just this uh, capacity to relate to people through their own testimony of their own conversion and what God has done in their families. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. I don't know if I've ever told the story uh, with any of you. Um, when we first came here to um, this area from New Jersey, uh, those that were around back then will know that uh, when we arrived here, we, need, we just were committed to a season of rest, a bit of a sabbatical from ministry, and we landed at Covenant Fellowship. And, and we told the pastors there that we want, there was one thing we wanted to be involved in, and that was the bridge course, the evangelism. We, we wanted to take a rest from everything else, but wanted to be involved in evangelism. And, uh, and so Jim Donahue um, assigned us to Maggie and Fitz's um, bridge discussion group as helpers to Maggie and Fitz. When Maggie and Fitz found out who I was, and you know, as the 30 years of pastor and all of that, they were appalled. At, you know, they thought I should lead, and, and you know, and no, no, this was about us just being there to support them. And Galey and I will never forget the 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 blessing, the encouragement, the eye-opening, almost exhilarating experience of watching Maggie and Fitz. Just, just relating to unbelievers, just telling their story, talking about their own ex faith experience, talking about the loss of a grandchild and how that had affected them, and and just testimony that just these 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 folks that were complete strangers within one time within one discussion period at one night of bridge had been pulled right in through the power of testimony. It was, I'll never forget it. Uh, and in fact, uh, I, have, I have tried to learn from it. I, 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 I want to be like Fitz and Maggie you know, when it comes to him. Both in the prison ministry. I'm sorry? Both and they're both in the prison ministry. And I'm sure they do the same thing. Uh, Dave Esther now does this extremely well. Um, now, the thing to keep in mind, caution, that Jim gives us is sharing your testimony isn't the same thing as sharing the gospel. Uh, uh, you have to try to relate your testimony to others' lives and use your story as a bridge to the gospel. You know, it's it's not enough to just say, "Hey, I was blind, but now I see." You need you need to talk about Jesus. You need to talk about the gospel, but the testimony can bridge to the gospel. Then there's a relational style, and I know I'm going through this quick, but I, I want you to just kind of get this big picture, and actually I want you to be encouraged by it. Uh, I know when I first heard this, I just found it liberating. That I, it, made me, it helped me to realize I don't have to fit into a box. I don't have to fit into one particular approach. I can be who God made me to be. Um, and with the strengths that God has given me. So there's the relational style. Matthew's the example here, uh, who um, also called Levi. Uh, Levi, or Matthew, made Jesus and his disciples a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And that's the text, as there are others as well, where Jesus is the friend of sinners. You know, that, that relational component. Um, 
this tends to be uh, people who are very hospitable, people who are very conversational, people very friendship oriented. Um, uh, Joel and Tia Gaines are this way. Uh, um, Jason and Katie Gomes, you know, are kind of almost world class at this. Uh, uh, Noel and uh, and uh, Dan Huey as well. Just just people, and there are others who just this capacity for hospitality, this capacity for welcome, and then making people feel comfortable and relating to them and just loving them as as people. There is an important caution here. Be careful not to value pursuing friendships over proclaiming the truth. One of the, you know, this is often called relational evangelism. Um, one of the one of the the problems potentially with relationship evangelism is that the relationship can end up meaning so much to you that you don't want to risk it by telling them the truth. Uh, and the relationships become uh, more valued than the gospel does. Uh, so you have to, you have to be, you know, as I think back to you know, the, what I told you earlier about my friend Al, I really like Al, he's a good friend of mine. I, uh, but if I'm not willing to tell him the truth, then I've actually turned his friendship into an idol and I'm not being faithful. To Christ, so relational styles very effective, very good, um, uh, but it, it's not complete without the truth. And then there's an invitational style, and I think we have, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people in our church who are doing this consistently. Uh, the woman at the well in John four. She left her water jar, went away into town, and said to the people, "Come and see, who told me all? Uh, who told me all that I ever did? Can this be the Christ?" They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed. And isn't it in John two where is it Nathaniel? Come and see, right? You know, it was his brother Andrew. I forget the the names there right now, but. Uh, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? One of them asked, and the other says, come and see. Come and see. And we get our come and see cards from those texts. And by the way, there's a number of these on the table there. Make sure if you don't have them already, you take those. And while I'm at that, another invitation with a bunch of these cards. If you haven't uh, handed those out, they're available as well. By the way, just in case you're wondering, this is the same picture as on the billboard. That we, uh, and we, uh, it was this past Sunday or two weeks ago, there were two people that came mm -hmm. because of the billboard. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, I, know, I know of at least one other person who uh, is, uh, was uh, thinking of coming because they saw us on the billboard. So the Lord, he, that's, I don't know what you call that, I don't billboard evangelism or something. I don't know what it is. But it's, it's invitational. Exactly right. It's not, a not form a of... Personal type of way. Yeah. Being persuasive. Yeah. The relationship. Yeah. And it, excellent. It's invitational and relational, particularly with the picture, which is actually our own folks, and and the, the diversity and the, the warmth of the picture itself is invited. It's, uh, so it is, it's an invitational form uh, and uh, so all of these work. But again, 
um, cautions, inviting people to church or Christian events or other functions can never replace your personal responsibility to share the gospel. At the end of the day, we all need to be able to tell people about Jesus. Uh, and, and, you know, Rick next week is going to share, you know, one way to approach that via an evangelistic Bible study. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's different ways to, to uh, I, I'm not sure what the right word is, format it or package it. I mean, in my own experience, uh, I've used the word Christ as an outline for my witness. The, the C is for creation. I need, to, I need to tell people that there's a creator, that they are made by God. The H stands for holiness. This God is holy and righteous and pure. The R stands for rebellion. We are sinners against this holy God. The I stands for incarnation. This, this holy God came here to earth. Uh, the S stands for substitute or sacrifice. He came here to earth to die for us and to die for our sins. And the T stands for trust. You need to trust in him. You need to believe in him. Sometimes I say trust and treasure. You need to trust in Christ and treasure him above all else. Um, there's many different ways to approach it, but at the end of the day, we do need to share the gospel itself. And then finally, there's the serving style. Um, example here is Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. Uh, there was a disciple there named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Um, and in our community center meeting yesterday, interest meeting, we talked about the role of, of kindness and, and um, doing good works in our mission, in our witness. Uh, it's, a, it's an important part of what, we're, what we need to do. Uh, there's some amazing examples of this um, within, our, within our own church. I think of Ross Pruitt or Helen Epright or George and Janice. Perez or the Hughes or the Heidengrins and we could go on but you know people that you just are always serving you know they're and they're they're you know I just heard of um, uh, Roz um, just last night talking with some folks and and they were talking about how they had had a young friend in their house in their home uh, that they had they had befriended relational type of evangelism. They had befriended years ago. She's still not a believer, but they keep on connecting to her, keep on loving her. And and uh, just recently, Roz was in their home while this young woman was in their home. And and uh, I, some of you I know can just see Roz doing this, but at, at one point she just turned to her and said, you need to come to bridge with me. You know, and just like that, you need to come to bridge with me. And the next day, the girl went to bridge with her. You know, and, and but it was in the context of Roz's seemingly incessant serving. She just never stops serving, uh, and the impact on people and on unbelievers is profound. Um, and so. You know, these are, these are just examples in Scripture of different approaches, 
different bridges, if you will, into people's lives um, so that there is an opportunity for the gospel. So what I want us to do is take about, I don't know, five or eight minutes to fill in, what is it, page, uh, that questionnaire, it's on the third page. Um, fill, uh, what, it, what it does is it, it just says, uh, there's 36 statements here. Do this, do this without giving it a lot of in-depth thought. You know, just kind of run through it. And if, if you read the statement and you think, yeah, very much, that's me, then it's number three. Somewhat two, very little one, zero, not at all. Just run through it. And then at the end, there's going to you know, Jim has put together a little way that you can uh, almost discern what is your natural style, what, what are you most gifted or uh, stylistically most comfortable with. So go ahead and do that. I'll give you about, I don't know, five minutes or so.
I'm sure it's not going to be enough time for you to finish, but I'll give you about another minute. Uh, it'll give you maybe a little bit, at least enough feel of the direction it's going for you.
But I encourage you to uh, finish it at home. And notice that on page uh, 24, there's a, uh, a box there where you can put your answers in for each of the questions. And then if you add them up, you just have a sense of the category that, that might best fit you by way of style. Um, let, me, let me just do it. Let me do something here. Let me, let me go around the room and just ask you, you know, to, based on what you've already been thinking and answers you've had and your own self-awareness, which of these styles do you think is, is your style or might well be your style? So, Bill, we've got uh, direct intellectual testimonial relational invitational and serving. What do you think you're one of them? Okay. <laughs> what do you think is the probably the, the strongest? Did you do the quiz? <laughs> the strongest. Um, direct invitational. Okay, all right, direct invitational. Good, Jay. Well, I just finished the whole thing. Okay. And added it up. And the serving came out to be the highest. And the intellectual, but I don't know why. Because okay. I don't like to like, get into the people like that. All right. How about serving? The serving, does that make sense uh, to you? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Would there have been one of the others that you might have thought would have been? Uh, um, a strength? Maybe invitational. Okay. All right. And, and by the way, this is not a scientific study or poll. Mm -hmm. All right. This, 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 but it's just a, a tool. It's just it's going to be used as that. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's going to be used as that. Yeah. Don't let it be. <laughs> you know, just it's just it's just a, a way of kind of looking at yourself. You know, and just say, okay, where where. Where might I just be, uh, where might I be strongest? Where am I inclined to go? You know, sometimes people have, um, they make the process of discerning their gifts way more complicated than it has to be. Um, sometimes the easiest way to discern what your spiritual gifts are is just what do you like doing? And what do you do well? Uh, and these questions kind of get to that, you know, what are, what's just, what are your impulses? What do you, what do you do well? What do you like doing? And, and that can guide you toward uh, maybe discerning uh, where to focus your energies. But not a, not a scientific study and certainly not a binding um, document that you have to rule your life by. Mm -hmm. Stephanie? Well, I was going to suggest that Jay, uh, systematic theology. <laughs> 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 um, I support highest in testimonial and serving. And does that make sense to you? Kim? Service. Service. Yeah. Dave? Testimonial and serving. Okay. And does that fit yes, your own sure. self-awareness? Yeah. Good. Becky? I thought I was relational. But it came out intellectual and testimonial. Okay, okay. Well, testimonial often is relational as well. You know, it's, it's how you're connecting to people. So. Gary? Um, 
And does that match what you would have thought for yourself? Yeah, in some way. It's just from uh, being more intellectual, because I like to go back and see, as you said, truth and violence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Keith? I haven't had enough of testimony. And does that make sense to you? I, I haven't had enough. No. That's how I'm. Oh, that's how you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rick? Direct and relational. Direct and relational. Now, was that how it came out on this, or is that your own That's awareness? Fine, but yeah. I know that when, once I scored, um, probably end up. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, what's your sense of? Well, by far, it was direct. Direct. Okay. Um, and then the second came as a tie between relational and serving. Okay, yep, good. Great. I would say direct and intellectual and relationship. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. The combination of those three probably together. Yeah, yeah, good. And? And? <laughs> my Pat. I'm Pat. Pat, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Mine came out intellectually. That's what I had thought it would be. Okay. Okay. There, I find it very interesting. Again, don't don't feel any kind of bound to this, but just when, like I said earlier, when I first heard this, I, I think I was thinking both personally and pastorally. I am so aware of the pressure people feel to do evangelism in a certain way. And to be able to release people from that pressure and, and to be able to say, look, what matters is that you do evangelism. What matters is that you, you, you bear witness to Christ. Um, choose your style. See what fits you. And then commit the discipline part of it. Commit to applying that in, in your life. So this lesson really designed to kind of open your hearts to think you know just with a bit more freedom maybe with a bit less of a you know you've got to fit into this box type of approach uh, and um, uh, and then next week uh, Rick is going to you know you want to give us a two minute summary Rick what what do we expect next week so next week I'm just going to briefly expose you to actual method of evangelism, discipleship, um, and you'll get the opportunity just to get some exposure to it, but not the full throttle actual. We're going to do a demonstration of that, and I'll also bring you in on, a, on the actual uh, discipleship evangelism method. So we'll be asking you some questions. So we'll actually do a demonstration of Discovery Bible study um, for an hour. Um, it's, and then hopefully with that exposure, um, it will just wet, wet your appetite. If you want some more, I can actually either send you to a training. I actually have the training here. If you want to start your own Discovery Bible study, you don't need a degree or certification. You just need some training on how to do it. And um, you get to reach your unchurched friends and neighbors and family members with the gospel and 
over a course of like several weeks, uh, taking them through um, the whole entire creation redemptive uh, gospel narrative. So if you're interested in that, definitely come out next week. Good, good, excellent. Any questions, comments? Well, just I just make a comment that. A lot of people talk about friendship evangelism where people just, just they know you and you don't have to share the gospel and they don't have to share. But I don't think that's totally ineffective either. And if we say that everybody has to be able to say, this is what you need to say or believe to believe to know Christian, it, there's going to be some people aren't going to be doing it at all. Mm -hmm. But part of it is just living a godly life to the extent that we can. People notice difference. Yes. And they might notice that you're always, instead of going to the grocery store on Sunday morning, you're going off the church. Mm -hmm. And if a person sits, they turn to you. Yeah. Somebody I, I know who was at a secular job. And for years he's in that job. And he wasn't directly witnessing anybody per se, but one fellow, when he had a crisis, after that fellow turned right, right. And then the opportunity came, came available. Yeah. So, I think. Yeah, I, th I think that, what that we can lead to that also, yeah. and also for years. I mean, what I'm doing now is not what I did most of my life. Partly I didn't have the time, and partly I think I was, I didn't feel equipped uh, to do it. I didn't feel necessarily equipped to do it when I started doing it in the last couple of years. Right. But I always had interest in trying to reach people one way or the other, and what I did for years and years and years was. I'd be the one who put up flyers in the different locations when something was going on at church to announce mm -hmm. a concert or a lecture series or a video or something like that. And to put freebies down, that Christian stuff, instead of throwing them in the trash, put them at the YMCA. Right. Sneak them in, not, not a boldness. Sneak it into right. the doctor's office and hope that nobody's looking when I put it on the table because <laughs> I didn't want anybody to come front me. Yeah, uh, I think But the, I did that for years and years yeah, and years yeah. and years. And I think for a season of my life, that was doing something. Yeah, yeah. Not what I'm doing now. Yeah. But for some people, maybe, you know, they're, the dis they're just not positioned. The really thing we have to, we just want to make sure that we, we keep in mind yes, relational friendship, um, uh, evangelism, and connection to unbelievers is, is, a, is, a, is a wonderful way of building bridges. The, 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 the simple distinction we have to make sure that we keep in mind is that it's not actually evangelism until we share the gospel. You know, the, the gospel is the evangel. It, you know, so we need at some point to be willing to share the gospel or invite people to a place where they can hear the gospel. Um, uh, you know, the Supposedly, I don't know, St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, uh, preach the gospel everywhere you go, and if necessary, use words. Uh, it is simply not, uh, it's, a, it's a really catchy statement, uh, but it's not accurate biblically. Um, you can't preach the gospel without words. That people, there is content that people need to hear. They need to hear. 
You know, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And they need to hear that Christ died for their sins, that Christ rose from the dead, that they need to repent of their sins and trust in Christ to be their Savior, that they need to confess that Jesus is Lord. So at some point they need to hear that message. Now it may be that a person, a believer, doesn't feel um, competent to do that or uh, may not be ready to do that in a given situation with a given person. That's where I think the come and see type of thing is. Okay, let me, I, I can't answer that question. I'm not sure I can, I can say everything needs to be said here, but I know somebody who can, or, or would you be interested in uh, talking with uh, somebody from my church, or that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the content has to get there sooner or later, but the relationship is a powerful way of getting people to that place where they're ready to hear. I think that's a good example, Tim, where you don't necessarily share the gospel in one or two or three or sentences or a paragraph, you're inviting people to get into a situation where they will hear. Right, exactly. And in that way, you are, I still think, being evangelistic. You are yeah. getting people to come to Christ through having a way that you relate to people, whether it's a one-time interaction on a septic bus yeah. or a long-term neighbor. Yeah. You have yeah. something that relates to people in such a way that somehow or another, either directly you're sharing the gospel with yeah. them or you're helping them realize of an opportunity that you know I can use yeah. to help them better understand. You're an active part of the mission right. itself. Bill? Well, as far as our opportunity goes, we uh, we do have a, a um, outreach team, which uh, we go out once a month on 69th Street. And uh, a lot of these ways are used. I, I, I look and I see uh, Greg, he's, he's a, he has a different method. Uh, more, he doesn't uh, interact more. He, he doesn't interact the way uh, I do. And, and then we have uh, Janice and, and uh, they react to, they, they're giving, uh, giving the food out and then, and then um, they'll lead folks to Christ. Uh, it, it, and, and Kevin is, uh, Kevin is more, more like me. <laughs> we, uh, we just, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I we could, do need folks to come. <laughs> yeah. I, well, uh, and again, keep in mind, and this is one of the things we need to be careful of or aware of, um, you want more people to be a part of that, but don't. If people are not a part of that, or if more aren't, just keep in mind that they are they are on mission. They are bearing witness in other ways. You know, they may have just had. You know, they may not be out with you on Saturday at 69th Street, but Saturday evening their home is open to their neighbor, uh, and they're sharing Christ there. So, I, again, as I have gone through the the list of folks. Uh, in the church, it's amazing how many people are bearing witness for Christ in different ways. Um, our time is up, guys. I wish that we had more time. Uh, this this merits about I don't know six hours or so. But uh, um, let me pray. There's a prayer time about to happen here. I think I saw Kevin, uh, and then the pastors have a brief meeting as well. So. Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. And, and Lord, I do pray it will have been encouraging and strengthening uh, for each one here. Uh, Lord, we are privileged to, to be laborers in the harvest field. And we, we pray that you will give us a harvest. Even this week, Lord, uh, that there will be people we need. That one way or another, we can lead toward you into 
In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you for being here.